You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. The way this particular teaching came about was that um, many of you know that uh, I experienced COVID in a very serious way. Uh, ended up in the hospital for 10 days. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm 70 years old, and I was, have never been hospitalized. So I guess it was about time, right? I mean, you know, that's the way. And I got excellent care, uh, although, you know, I argued with the doctors and the nurses every once in a while just to make sure that things were going well. So, uh, but overall, I'm a pretty good patient. But one of the things that happens when you're in that place where you can't do the busyness of life is that you can encounter God. And uh, that happened. And in that, there was some redemption. Now, I never wanted COVID, uh, but it got me, okay? And of course, I grew up in a farm, so good grief. You're tough. You walk it off. Come on. You just keep pressing through, and you will conquer this, okay? And there was no reason, there is no... um, uh, no excuse for being weak or pathetic, okay? So that's been sort of the template that's been handed to me by my family of origin. Uh, so when I contracted this, I thought, well, I can duke this out. Yeah, I can just, I can, I can duke this out. Other people have had it, you know. I've not known anyone uh, personally that had uh, uh, suffered as a result of that in any significant way. But... Um, there was, within a few days, it was like I was unable to breathe. Uh, and um, so when I said to my wife, I think you need to take me to the emergency room, uh, she listens because, well, not only that she loves me, but I usually don't ask for those kinds of things. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of a rare thing for me to do that. Anyway, one of the things I do want to say is I want to thank all of you for praying for me, for interceding for me. Uh, God met me in many ways. Not only was I saved, but uh, he also spoke to me. There were things that he was wanting to talk to me about, and I had not taken the time to listen to him. And so that is one of the ways that God actually redeems suffering. The things that can come into our life have the potential of being used either by God or by the enemy to either draw us closer to God or to push us farther away. Uh, And so um, suffering, there's no way to escape it, is there? All of us have suffered. We will continue to probably experience some sort of suffering. Uh, It all resulted as as a part of the sin, uh, the consequences of sin in the Garden of Eden. And the world has suffered ever since then, always suffering as a result of that. And so um, one of the things that I found uh, in uh, this place of being in the hospital was that uh, it gave me opportunity to reflect. Um, I came out of that 10 days with a different perspective on life, uh, different priorities. So one of the things that can happen with us in our suffering is that God can encounter us in that place and give us revelation, can give us Uh, can speak to us and begin to reset priorities that have gotten out of whack. Uh, 
And uh, so, so it's important to see that God wants to use the things, even the things that the enemy has brought into our lives, and to redeem them in some way for his glory. And so in that reflection, I began to think about really what did matter. Now, there were times there where I didn't know if I was going to make it. I mean, I knew uh, there were a couple of days that both my wife and I were like going, hmm, you know, this is, this is a serious situation. Uh, and so, but what was interesting was that in the midst of that, God said, well, aren't you already dead? And I go, what? And then scripture came to back to me. We've died in Christ, and now we live in him. And so in that, there was a, there was a revelation. Uh, and so you know how the difference between actually reading scripture and living scripture? That's a fundamental difference. If we live scripture, it brings transformation to our lives. And so we read and we study, and I am not saying that's not good. It is good. But what we need is we need to encounter the living word. We need the revelation of that written word coming to life within our very lives because it's in that context that it brings spiritual transformation and real life to us. It comes alive. And that's what you want. You want the living word of God to come and bring life and bring transformation. And so in that, it was like, oh, Lord, you know, you're right. Oh, by the way, he's always right. <laughs> it's just that we struggle sometimes <laughs> to go, oh, yeah, you're God and you're always right. <laughs> but he is a loving father. And that was one of the other things that took place was that you would begin to experience the love of the father, the love that he is there with you in the midst of not that. But now you need to know there were days where it was like I had to remind myself that he loved me. I had to remind myself that he was all-powerful and that he was faithful. Why? Because the physical aspects, the sickness, the disease, all of the other stuff that was wrapping around it, that can work on our emotions and steal the truth, can it? You know that emotions were given to us by God for the benefit of relationship. But we cannot let emotion steal the truth from us. And yet I see that so true. It can be true in my life. It can be true in each of our lives. We must guard our hearts and our minds against an emotion that would war against the truth of God. And we must remind ourselves of the truth of God because it's true and it sets us free. Now, I need people in my life. Uh, we've been talking about community. Uh, the worship team has been mentioning that over and over again. That's a very important uh, understanding. We are here for each other. Yeah. We're bonded together in the love of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, even in our differences, we're bonded together in our love. And so it's in that place that God encounters us and meets us. He brings about that community. Uh, 
you realize that the Trinity, uh, the triune nature of God, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in perfect harmony. They live in perfect community. In fact, what we are, uh, and First Peter says that we're, we have been invited to participate in his divine nature. When we come together as the body of Christ, when we are interconnected, what happens is, is that we encounter God and we encounter a community that reflects the nature and character of God. That's what is supposed to take place within the church. Now, I grew up in the church, and I have t I've told you some of the horror stories in the past of growing up in the church, okay? We all need inner healing because of what we've done, what has happened to our lives in previous uh, experiences, and may maybe even here, okay? I don't know. I mean, it's not, but... but we, we live in reality. We live in the struggle of humanity. God meets us in the midst of our suffering. He meets us in the midst of the difficulties. And, and so I want you to, re to remind yourself, when the emotions run rampant, God is still in heaven. He is still on the throne, and he will accomplish his will. And so be encouraged that he will be there for you in the midst of your adversity and your suffering. And so one of the powerful things that happens with suffering is, is that it's a powerful reminder that God is in charge, that he's in control. Now, how does suffering arrive? It, it it's the result of sin. It's the torment of the enemy. Uh, the enemy is consistently after us. He's looking for ways to destroy us. I mean, he's damaged our families. Every family has its messes, okay? I don't care who you are. You got wounds in your family of origin, period. One way or another. God was misrepresented in many ways. All sorts of stuff. So we all have that equality. Um, the, even the perfect families have their issues. And yet God says that he will take those things and he will redeem them and he will restore those. But we also know that the enemy uses that stuff against us, doesn't he? Yet he's always looking for little ways to actually twist things, to create confusion, difficulty, turmoil. And we many times will operate out of that. You know, it says, uh, well, anger is a big issue uh, within families. And it says, in your anger, don't sin. So, what it's saying there is that anger does happen. Emotions do happen. Things happen. But the question is, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to let God actually take care of that? Are you going to press into God? Is he going to be able to actually utilize that? And so see the kingdom advanced? Or we will let the enemy use that against us and against other people. And so it's in that place that God has called us to. Uh, as I laid in that hospital bed, I, there were many things that I began to reflect on. Uh, and so uh, what happened there is that uh, he began to reveal the changes that need to take place in my life. Okay? Interesting. Yeah, I thought I was perfect. <laughs> Dang. I thought, I thought other people needed change. I'm much happier when other people change, okay? That's just the way it is. Just much easier if they change. But there were things that he's, and part of it was, and it was interesting, I had a prophetic word the other night. Uh, I think it was, was it Scott that gave that to me? Yeah. And uh, it was like, 
it was like, one of the things I felt was that a lot, I had lost my perspective and priorities because of the distractions of this world. The things, the busyness of this world had recalibrated my value system. And God is saying, we need to recalibrate it, but now I need to do it rather than you doing it, okay? And so what, what has happened is, is that since I've been out, okay, so uh, the symptoms came uh, to me uh, on May 9th, okay, that was Mother's Day. And uh, then I hope I, none, I didn't give it to any of you while I was here Sunday morning that day. But uh, anyway, uh, we share everything in the family, don't we? <laughs> but, um, but what happens is you can have encounters with God. And then what can happen is, is that the enemy comes and he begins to slowly steal what God has done in your life. And so um, I got a prophetic word that said uh, that what it was was that uh, the, the river in my life uh, that flowed into what God was doing, uh, that there was like a beaver dam that was stacking things up. Uh, there was wood in there. And it was like what, it's, what God was saying to me in that prophetic word was, already the enemy is now building, pulling the distraction, the sticks of this world, and damming up the flow of the river of God. And it was like, it, I love prophetic words. Why? Because when God is speaking, he speaks to the heart of the issue. Now, that's, this is not my sermon, actually, but it's important to talk about it, okay? But the prophetic word, you know, we are to seek the prophetic, and we're to be about the prophetic, letting the prophetic flow within the body of Christ. Why? Because God has the power to, in, in, in great simplicity, speak to the heart of the issue and bring about radical transformation. It's huge. You need the voice of God in your life speaking to you. Why? Because it is life. It is spiritual transformation. It, it sets us free. We're celebrating Freedom Day uh, from a national perspective, but it is so important that you and I understand that God's prophetic word to us is designed to set us free. And so, uh, so it was a warning to me. God warns us, doesn't he? Don't do this, do that. You know, those are the kinds of things. He is a loving father. If, if we can do anything within this community, it's to cultivate within each of us a deeper ability to hear the voice of God. Why? Because um, when I was pastoring, uh, it was kind of like a lot of people wanted me to be the Holy Spirit. And I'm like going, I don't like this job. Why? Because, um, you know, that, that's a heavy burden. But I began to realize that, that pastoring is designed to encourage people to hear the voice of God for themselves. Why? You and I need the Spirit of God counseling. He is the great counselor, is he not? He is the one who will bring us revelation. He is the one who will bring us uh, counsel. He is the one who will bring us spiritual transformation. He is the one who will warn us when we're walking in the wrong direction or when we begin to compromise in some subtle way. You realize the enemy is all about compromise. He's just looking for little ways into our lives. He just wants to, he's the ultimate uh, Britannica salesman where he sticks his foot in the door when people slam it because you're trying to sell 
Uh, some of you don't even remember those kinds of things, but they used to have door-to-door salesmen, and that was... Uh, Anyway, it, for those of you who that joke blessed you, may it, may it bless you. For the rest of you, check with me afterwards, and I'll go through the full explanation of what happened there. So, anyway, so, so suffering, even though you and I don't want it, I do not want to suffer. I spend a good portion of my life figuring out ways not to suffer. How about you? Yeah, yeah, really. And so suffering is not on our radar. It's not what we really like. But it does come to us as a result of what has happened uh, in our lives and what the enemy is doing. So um, if you look at the life of Job, we won't take a lot of time, but um, we see a lot of spiritual warfare there um, and a lot of misunderstanding. And Job suffered and he struggled, but ultimately he was victorious. Why? Because in the midst of his suffering, he ultimately came to a revelation of the goodness of God and who he was. And so that can be one of the things that can happen for you and I. Now, sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes people get mad at God. They blame God and they walk away. Now, the Apostle Paul says, don't suffer because you're a thief. And what I find in my own life and the lives of others is that a good portion of what we suffer from is our own sin. Things that we do, things that we commit that actually bring about that sin. And so, and also then ultimately bring about that suffering. And the Apostle Paul says, basically his counsel to us is, stop it. Stop sinning. Stop it. Has anyone seen that? What is that? Bob Newman, what is it? That Bob Newhart. Oh, it's a delightful little video, but uh, YouTube. Oh, the, the joys of YouTube. But um, now, the, the problem is, is that we would struggle with stopping it, don't we? And that's where God comes in. In the midst of even our sin when we commit things. So we have a, a, a blow-up, a domestic blow-up, okay? And then the reason being, and by the way, uh, all domestic blow-ups have to do with selfishness. Yeah. At the root of it, the root of our sin is selfishness. I want it. I want to do it. I want to do what I feel like doing. Those are the kinds of things. And so God comes to us in that place of selfishness, and he says, Bruce, you don't have to be selfish. You don't have to fight for yourself. You can surrender to me and let me do what needs to happen in this situation. See, if I don't believe that God is all-powerful, if I don't believe that God is good, and I don't believe that he loves me, then I don't trust God. Now, I read about trusting God. I read in the Bible. I have... I've. Um, let's see. I got saved, I guess, when I was 12. I was raised in the church. Um, and so I got baptized at church camp. And it wasn't out of a body experience for me. I don't remember walking up front, because that's what you traditionally did at that point, uh, is that you came forward to confess your faith. And then you were baptized. Uh, but what was interesting, as I reflect on that conversion experience, was that I did not touch the floor as I walked up. Now, that sounds weird. Now, I believe that I physically did, 
However, there was something spiritual going on there that I really wasn't even aware of it. And it was that, it was a divine encounter with God. He was actually carrying me forward. I love that, the truth about that, because no one can confess that Jesus is Lord without the working of the Spirit in our lives. In other words, your very salvation was the work of God. He called you and he drew you into his family. And he is the one who is doing the work within us. It is all about him doing that work. And you and I, in this name of, in the, in the name of Jesus, we need to surrender to him, right? Now, that's the big issue. When I'm selfish, I don't want to surrender, right? Uh-uh. No, I want my way. And so the work of the Spirit is actually to deliver us from our own selfishness. And so we have now died. We've died to ourselves. And now Christ lives in and through us. And I'm here to say that Christ living in and through us is much better than us living our lives independent of God. Yeah, yeah. I would... If you don't believe that, then I would encourage you to try it. Because if you don't believe it, you haven't tried it, right? Because when you encounter the living God, he transforms you. And so people say, well, I've been there, done that, tried that, it didn't work. I would say you didn't encounter God. Because if you truly encounter God, you will never forget it. There is that transforming power that takes place there. Now, I'm addicted to the encountering God. I love it when he shows up. I love it when he does the things that he does. Not only in me, but also in you. Why? Because we're family. And it is for all of our benefits that we encounter the living God. All of our benefits. And so, so I want you to expect God to show up in this place or in your recliner. I find the recliner is a really great place to encounter God. I do. Now, I have to be careful because sometimes I can drift off into a nap, but God's cool with that. He really is. It's like, let's be honest here. God is a realist. Yes, he's not angry. I mean, he loves us. I, you know, if you think about it, if you think about Jonathan here, you know, he's sleeping right now, and I love that, you know, because he's not crying. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But what God does in that is that, is that rest is an important part of who we are. And, and as I thought about over our children when they were sleeping, they're, they're delightful for many reasons, but it was, there is such a, a love and compassion for a child that is sleeping because they're receiving the rest, and, and, and it's just an adoration for that little one as they're napping. And I believe that that is what God does when we nap, okay? Is that there is, it's, it's just an opportunity for him to have adoration for us. Uh, and I would just want to cultivate that belief system within you. How much God loves you, how he adores you. I mean, he sent Jesus. I think that sometimes we have said the same things over and over again so many times that we become numb to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can become numb to it. We don't even realize. It's like, you know, you plug in the tape and you repeat it back. But, but it's like 
his, his relationship is real and powerful, and he adores us. He has done everything for us. And so um, as we live in that relationship, one of the th things that's kind of changed in my theology is that what's happened is for me is that um, I saw God as much more of a dictator than actually a father, okay? And so one of the things that changing for me in that suffering was it was like, uh, it was like sometimes we'll pray, oh, if it be your will, God, okay, that uh, so-and-so get healed. I'm going, it's always his will. It's always his will to do good. It is always his will to bless us and to do everything uh, that would benefit our lives. It says I, he didn't withhold Jesus from us. So if he gave Jesus to us for the redemption of us, what else would he withhold from us? And so that concept of God, you're a dictator. God, you're um, the all-powerful, which is true. But, you know, you can take things and you can misconstrue them in certain situations. Things can get out of whack. Your theology can be messed up. Even though you're confessing the right words, you need the Spirit of God in your life correcting your theology. As I lay in the hospital bed, he was correcting some theology for me, which is good, very good. Why? Because it's freedom. It's freedom. So be encouraged. God is going to speak to you. Why? Because he's always talking. He's a good father, and he's speaking. Uh, a friend of mine says the problem is, is that we're not listening. And therein lies the distractions of this world, doesn't it? As I lay in that hospital bed, the distractions were pulled away. And as a result, I was able to encounter God. So one of the things that powerfully happened to me in that place of suffering was he redeemed the time and he brought revelation, he brought correction, he brought blessing into my life, even though I was in a physical place of suffering. I mean, how many tubes do you have to stick into a person? How many ports do you need to pull blood from? How many times do they need to pull blood from you? How many times do they need to come in and slap you around and see if you're still alive? <laughs> Checking your vitals. I just fell asleep and you woke me up. Do you know how hard this is? I know, but we have to do this. I go, I know you have to do it, but I can't get any rest in this hospital. Get me out of here so I can actually go home and rest. And they go, we're trying. We'll do the best we can. Okay. And I mean, God bless them. They did a great job. And they were kind and compassionate. And in those times, I was not the best patient, okay? Because in my suffering, I was complaining. I was angry at times, too. Those are just, those are natural responses. But... Hopefully I didn't sin against any of them. <laughs> that was the only thing. In your anger, don't sin. And I, I'd pray to God that I did not sin against any of them. I don't think I did. <laughs> but um, what's interesting is that you can, you, have, you can have different responses to suffering. Um, one of the things that I found, uh, that I felt like the Lord said is that sometimes we actually have shame uh, in our suffering. Uh, in other words, uh, we see it our fault rather than uh, the work of the enemy or something like that. 
you realize that the enemy can do things in our lives and he can blame us and we can take the shame. What happens with shame? You hide. Adam and Eve in the garden ran and hid from God and they ran away from the resources of heaven. I want to say to you today, don't run from God. Don't run from his resources. Don't run from his love. Press into him. When those things, when things go wrong, whether it be suffering, even in your sin, repent, turn around, and come into the place where, and receive from the resources of heaven. Receive the favor of God. And so, a wrong way to respond to suffering is shame. Why? Because it destroys us and it destroys relationship. Another thing that can happen is that we can go the other way. We can become angry and rebellious. We can begin to blame God. I found it interesting in my years of uh, pastoring and counseling that um, it was not unusual for people to blame God for the work of the enemy. It was almost as if they had no framework for the kingdom of darkness and his activity. It was all about, there was only God, and the devil didn't exist, and everything that happened was the result of God. And it was like, uh, you would go, well, this is the work of the enemy. But they couldn't wrap their brain around that. They couldn't seem to be able to, uh, to understand that. You and I need a healthy revelation that the kingdom of darkness is active and alive and working diligently to destroy our lives. He is. He's working diligently to destroy everything that is good and has value in this world. You know, he came to seek us, to kill us, and destroy us, didn't he not? Yeah. And so what happens, though, and, and this would happen if you're dealing like, say, say in a counseling situation you're dealing with or with a friend, because we're all counselors, right? And if you have the spirit of God, you actually have the spirit of counsel within you to speak to people. And primarily what people need is they need, to, need someone to actually listen to them and love them in the midst of that. That's what we need. We need someone to listen to us and to love us. Yeah. But in an abuse situation, what happens is when uh, an individual says, well, God is all powerful. Why didn't he stop the person who abused me? Oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? But the truth of the matter is, is that free will has both a good and a bad side, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, he gave us free will. Why? But he didn't want robots. He didn't want puppets. He wanted a relationship. Anyone that you have a relationship, you don't want them as a robot. You don't want them as an individual that doesn't have choice or connectedness. And so what happens is, is that those abusers were working with the kingdom of darkness to destroy that individual. That's ultimately what happened there. It's important for us to understand that. And in that then, what can happen though is that when people become angry with God, blame God for what the enemy did, then what happens is they begin to make some bad choices. You know, can powerfully affect their lives. You know, and so therein lies the community. Therein lies the ministries that Leanne is involved with and, and Janie is involved with the, to bring a sense of community to people so that 
they can encounter a healthy family. They can encounter individuals who actually can redirect where they're moving and where they're suffering, okay? Another thing that can come up is passivity. Um, I think that what happens is, que sera, sera, what'll be, will be. No, that is not the kingdom of God. Uh-uh. You and I have been empowered and equipped by the power of God, the spirit of God, and we are here to actually weld that power against the work of the enemy. Yeah, we are here to do that. Passivity is our enemy. Um, and in that place of as we, as we rise up against what has come against us, we begin to ask this question. I have found that God loves us to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that we ask enough questions of God. And I don't know that we are patient enough to wait to hear the answer. That's the issue. I think that we lack patience. Now, we live in a society of instant gratification. I mean, no one waits for anything, you know? And so, I mean, you know, there are three people ahead of you in the line. And you are like, oh, I am going somewhere else. I've had it. You know, that kind of thing. Well, maybe if you live in a, a, high, a, a, a larger metropolitan area, you get used to that. I don't know. But, uh, but, but it, it, it's that, um, that idea that, that um, God is going to do something in our lives uh, and break the power of that passivity so that we can begin to aggressively work and see the work of God. But in that, he wants to cultivate patience. Isn't that one of the fruits of the spirits? Patience? Yeah. Yeah. And so we tend not to be patient. We tend to be uh, passive rather than aggressively pursuing God waiting for the answer and expecting him to actually reveal that. Okay, so we've talked a bit about uh, 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 the uh, inappropriate ways to respond. Let's talk about some of the benefits of suffering. I've covered this, uh, one of them already, and that is revelation. In other words, God meets you. He can speak to you in that place. In those places of suffering, he has the ability to reveal to us false gods. That's one of the things that happened to me was is that I had been clinging to some things that were false gods in my life. Now, you can use this example uh, exactly. Uh, it's like um, with the medical profession, I think that they, in some ways, can become gods. Okay? Now, everything that the medical profession has is a gift from God. Their intellect, their ability, everything, all the revelation. So from my perspective, I thank God for the medical profession. They co-labored with God and saved me from death to, uh, a couple of months ago. So it's like, but we need to have a priority of understanding that God is more powerful than the medical profession. Okay? Yeah. We need, we need to know that. But we also need to know that he uses that particular area to benefit our lives, and we want to exercise that opportunity. There is nothing wrong with that. But it's what's important is, is that we have to make sure that things don't get out of whack here. And so 
one of the things that happens in suffering is God reveals the false gods. The places we put our trust in that were not God and are now failing us in the suffering, we begin to realize uh, an example would be maybe financially. Maybe you placed your, uh, your trust in your bank or, your, or, or the stock market. Danger. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I know of people that that is their God. You know, that's what's going to save them. And it's like, I have a 401k. And I'm like, going, hmm, okay. When do I bail on stocks that keep going up, but it doesn't go up forever? How am I going to? Well, anyway, that's a side note. Uh, but um, anything has the potential of being a God. In our suffering, God takes and reveals those things so that we can actually get our priorities straight. One of the Ten Commandments, the first one, says, you shall have no other gods before me. And so what God does in suffering is he actually utilizes our ability to actually see that we have placed something else above God, and God is saying, no, it has to be placed below that. It doesn't mean it's important. It just means that it is not God. Okay? So that's one of the things that can happen. Um, <clears throat> Suffering draws us closer to God. Uh, take a look at Philippians 3, um, 10 through 12. You're probably wondering if I was ever going to read scripture, right? Okay. Uh, it says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Je uh, Christ Jesus took hold of for me. And so what we see here is, is that um, as you follow the Lord, there will be suffering as a result of actually following the Lord, won't there? Yeah, there'll be, we don't really experience persecution much here in this country. We, we don't run and hide. We don't meet, we, we meet together, we meet together publicly. We don't, we still have those religious freedoms. If, if you live in China or many other third world countries, it's positively dangerous uh, to actually assemble together in the name of the Lord. And as a result, there is suffering there that takes place. But the Apostle Paul here is saying that what happens there is that in that sharing of Christ's suffering, because Christ suffered on our behalf, he suffered. Why? The suffering that takes place is that when the spirit of truth comes into the and penetrates this realm, which is managed and overseen by the God of this world, which is Satan, there's a reaction that takes place. In other words, when the kingdom of, come, the kingdom of God comes and breaks through the darkness of Satan, Satan reacts, and there's a fight, and you and I get involved in that. Now, I like to win, okay? I don't like to lose, and so I want to be, and, and if you look just a few pages before this, one of the things is that you're equipped with the armor of God. Because our fight isn't against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. And so you want to be equipped and you want to be ready to actually walk and deal with the work of the enemy. And so uh, that suffering draws us closer to God. Why? Because as we get close to God, there is a protection that takes place within us. Suffering also draws us closer to each other. 
We carry each other's burdens in prayer. Callie mentioned this, and, uh, and I just want to reiterate it. You know, one of the things that happens is that those of you who prayed for me, you're closer to me as a result of that. And when I pray for you, I am closer to you as a result of that. There is a spiritual connect that takes place in prayer as we intercede and pray for each other. And there is community that takes place as a result of that. And it is a privilege to pray for people. I think it's time for us, you know, we, we look at these things and we think that they're work. No, they're not to be work. They're to be privileges. They're actually, they're gifts to us. In other words, the ability for us to pray is a gift to us. It's a gift to us to actually pray for others and for the will of God to that it be revealed in this realm. You and I have been invited to participate in his divine nature. You and I have been called into warfare against the work of the enemy so that the redemption of Christ be fully revealed in this realm. We are called to see heaven invade earth. Now, will there be a cost at times? Yes. The question is, are you willing to actually pay that price? The Apostle Paul here says yes. In fact, I identify, I connect with Christ more powerfully when he's called me to suffer in those places as a result of spiritual warfare. And so we do not run from war. We actually, we're not cowards. I dealt with that the last time I taught here. Uh, but we run into the battle that is orchestrated by God. Now, I want to talk just briefly about that. There are many people who actually don't necessarily hear the voice of God, and they're out fighting things, and they're not given the power and authority to do that. There's not a grace on their life to do that. People can get in trouble by actually walking into those places where God has not given them instruction to do that and not given them oversight or authority and power to deal with that. Why? Because the Satan is an adversary and he is powerful. God said to me, and I've said this before, one day he said to me, uh, you underestimate the power of Satan. And you know, when God says those kinds of things, I mean, he's really serious, okay? And then he gave me just a pause because I was like, Mm -hmm. Okay, you're right. And then he said, but you also underestimate my power. And I think it's so important for you and I to remind ourselves that God is more powerful than the enemy. And we sometimes in our suffering can surrender to the belief that the enemy is more powerful. Yeah, yeah. And so we just want to remind ourselves of that truth. If you know the truth, the truth sets you free. You and I need to remind ourselves. We need Holy Spirit reminding us of the truth. And at times I need you telling me the truth. So because I'm not listening to God and I'm not uh, thinking well. And so I need an intervention. You know, what is that? A DHS and intervention? We need interventions. Yeah. You and I consistently need Holy Spirit's intervention in our lives. Okay. To deal with those things that have gotten out of whack. Okay, so uh, suffering purifies us by breaking the power of the enemy, uh, if you and I will agree with God. So in closing, what I'd like to just remind each other is that uh, you and I don't need to seek suffering. It'll come. <laughs> okay, yeah. But 
Suffering always brings to us to a place to reveal where, what we really do place our trust in. And so it's an opportunity for us to evaluate what's going on. And suffering does give us options. Either we can draw closer to God or walk away from God. But I'm here to remind you that Jesus came to undo the work of the enemy. And what the enemy has meant for harm, God will use for good if you and I will let him do that. And that's so important. Our agreement with him. We don't agree with the enemy. We agree with God and let him do that work. And so may you be encouraged in those places of suffering. And I want you to know that as a part of the community, you don't have to suffer alone. We're called to bear one another's burdens. We are, we are bonded together in that. And so with that, you and I have opportunity. Uh, I can feel you all praying for me while I was in the hospital. I could feel the move of God in my life as a result of that. Yes, yes, he was listening to you and he was responding to you. And I want to thank you for that. And so <clears throat> I just want to say thanks for being part of the family. Thanks for blessing my life. May we all bless each other's lives. Yeah. And in the midst of those difficulties, may God be glorified. May your life reveal the glory of God. Let's pray. So, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the perfect community. Yeah. Three in one. Lord, we've come because you've invited us to participate in your divine nature. Yes. We've come, Lord God, to receive what we need. You've done a beautiful thing within us, and you will continue to do that. Lord, we ask that in the midst of those places of suffering, that we will press into you, Lord God, that we will receive your favor, that we will understand what we need to understand in order that we might move through that and come to the other side. Lord, we ask that everything that happens in our lives be given to you so that you might redeem it for your honor and glory. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You, you are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praycc.org.